Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Good morning, Audacity Church. So glad that you're here today. We're going to uh, go ahead and dive into uh, Roots Week 2 today. Um, before we do, <clears throat> I just want to start off by saying, you know, my responsibility is to lead and guide us. Um, and, 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 and so I communicate each week, and, and there's, of course, things that happen throughout the week. But, you know, hours of, of study and preparation go into to this, this short talk, right, around 30 minutes of a talk. And there's a lot of times that, man, there's just something that I have to communicate that I'm not great at. And so some of you saw this week on social media where I just said, this is really hard for me. Patience, what we're going to speak about today, probably impacts just about all of my shortcomings. <clears throat> not only as a leader um, and pastor, but as a dad and, and as a husband. And, and this is one of the fruit of the spirit that, man, I just want to become better at. And, and, and I think the first thing that I can do is just admit that. So today I'm going to be transparent. And so as I, I, I am, I, I pray that you would be gracious towards me. And as I talk about some of my flaws and as I talk about what I'm learning when it comes to patience, that you would just show me some grace. And now let me just put this out there too. The, the higher of a pedestal that you place me upon um, as pastor is, um, is just means that I'm going to hurt you more whenever I fall on top of you with a mistake that I may make. So we, we talk about audacity kind of being a hospital of broken people and we're, we're all just uh, uh, serving the, the chief surgeon, if you will, Jesus. And we're all broken and, and, and through the Holy Spirit and because of the, the crucified body of Jesus Christ, we're being mended back together. And so we're going to go ahead and start and, and, and I'm going to read Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 24 if you can turn there in your Bibles. And we're going to pick it up, uh, start in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience is where we're going to be today, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We talked about last week, in order for us to bear fruit, we have to, we have to do two things. One, we have to belong to Christ, and two, we have to crucify the flesh. And so I want us to remember that as we look at patience. Patience is, it comes from this Greek word, makrothemia, and it means to suffer greatly without retaliation. The King James translates this word differently, and it's called long-suffering. And I think that that's a better definition of patience. It's steadfast. There's forbearance. And it's something that's uh, inside of us where we, we don't retaliate. It's slowness to avenging wrongs. And patience is listed uh, over a dozen times, or long-suffering, macromathia, is listed over a dozen times in Scripture. Where we're going to pull the content of today's teaching is out of the book of James. So if you thumb close to the end of your Bible, we're going to look at James chapter 5 
And I think it's it's interesting to note that this is Jesus' half-brother writing. He becomes a leader of the church after Jesus has died and he's resurrected. And so James writes very passionately um, in his letter. And so we're going to read starting in James chapter 5. We're just going to look at verses 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of our Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. There's some important right there about patience. You are patient so that you're not judged. Behold, the judge is sitting at the door. Verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brother, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who have remained steadfast. We consider those blessed who have remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The reason that Christians must have patience, and we'll say this every week with every one of the fruit, is because patience is a characteristic of God himself. It is a characteristic of Jesus. A patient person is one who is long-suffering and doesn't lash out. So in every part, every week as we go through this series, our goal is to answer three questions. We're going to try to answer those three same three questions today, and we're just going to replace one word in each of these sentences. What is Christ-like patience? What is counterfeit patience? And then the application part is how do I live in patience? In verses 7 through 8, you'll see that James's challenge is to be patient as we are waiting on Jesus to return. He then gives us an, an analogy of uh, an agricultural reference, and he tells us, hey, look at the farmers, how they wait on the rain. See, the model of the farmer is interesting. In autumn and spring, there are two rains that had to come in order for crops to, get, um, to be the most fruitful. And see, farmers had to wait for the autumn rain before <clears throat> they, could, they could plant, and the, the, um, uh, or before they could harvest. They would plant after the first rain, and then they would have to wait for the latter rain. The temptation for any farmer is to to have so much invested. They've planted the seed. <clears throat> they've toiled the ground. They have they have made sure that it was it was a good soil. And then what happens? They have to wait. They have to wait on the rain. Well, what some farmers did is they just decided we can't wait anymore. We can't wait on this latter rain. We have to harvest these crops early. And so that's exactly what they did. And they would harvest before the latter rain. Well, you're like, well, what's the big deal? <clears throat> the latter rain is what produced the most fruit. So I think this is a very interesting reference when we're talking about patience. In order for you to... in to harvest the most fruit of patience in your life, <laughs> you're going to have to wait, right? You're going to have to wait for this latter rain. The more subtle temptation for each and every one of us is to give up early, is to cash in our chips early. It may not be the rain that you think. 
It may not be something that you think that you're waiting for, but but maybe God has a, a different plan. And see, patience is the, the graciousness of God in the midst of what, what you and I would call delayed gratification. Refuse to rush. What are you, what do you, what do you, what is challenging your patience the most? What is it in your life that, that gets you so impatient? And there are so many things in my life that I'm learning to be more patient with. You know, I think most of the parents in the room know what it's like to be patient, right? Or, or, or we should. Let, let me give you an example of, 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 of what patience looks like. Patience means sticking through an impossible circumstance. <clears throat> Maybe you and your spouse right now aren't living for God. Maybe you personally are just not serving your spouse the way that you should. Your spouse is not serving the way, serving you the way that they should. And the, the easy thing to do right now is just to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to be patient anymore. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to harvest early. I'm going to leave. And you and I are just like the farmer. <laughs> we quit on things before we need to. What is it in your life where you need to be demonstrating this patience of a farmer waiting, of the patience of a farmer waiting for the crop to grow. See, the promises of God only come in obedience to Him. Waiting on Him is the hard part. Maybe you're different than I am, but there are sometimes Jesus will come through, and for some reason He's a big fan of doing it in the last hour at the final moment. And when He does, my first expression should be graciousness, should be gratitude, and what I like to do in my flesh is remind Him of how bad His clock is. I mean, maybe you're better than I am. <laughs> I mean, there is times when, when God is working on something through me, and when it does happen, my response is carnal, and it's fleshy, and it's this. It says, it's about time. <clears throat> what, what have you been waiting on? And instead, Christ-like patience would say, thank you, Jesus. Christ-like patience would be a spirit of gratitude where we're like, Jesus, thank you. See, I want to lead that point and leave that point there and lead into counterfeit patience. A lot of people would say that lack of patience is the opposite of patience, right? That kind of makes sense. But biblically, the lack of patience or the opposite of patience is selfish anger. A patient Christian will not be selfish in their anger. See, revenge or indifference is the actual, the total opposite of patience. Let me give you an example of, of, of what counterfeit patience looks like. It's whenever you ask your kids a rhetorical question. Hey, why haven't you done what I asked you to do? I mean, what, what, what am I doing? That's counterfeit Patience, I'm not being loving and patient. I'm asking a rhetorical question that is all, I'm degrading them. I mean, you do that with your, your spouse, your job, your employer. And you say, this is how we justify it with counterfeit patience. You say, I've waited long enough. Or I've been waiting forever. 
And, and that is counterfeit patience. Counterfeit patience always leads to selfishness. Let me give you an example of how it plays out in my life. You know, at night, we put eight kids to bed. It is an interesting every night. I'm sure your kids don't do this, but I have one kid that uses the bathroom 17 times and then brushes their teeth for the fourth time. <clears throat> the lack of patience in me, this is what happens. I get angry with my kids. When the truth is, here's how I justify it. I will say, you're not obeying me the first time. And, and I make it almost like I, I am being righteous, like I am trying to be righteous and I'm trying to grow my kid's character. When the truth of the matter is, when I'm really reflecting on patience, I've been inconvenienced. You know, we live a very, very busy life. Uh, we, my wife uh, does an amazing job of balancing our schedule and we are busy. There's 10 of us, right? And so we are always have something going on. And so at nighttime, Ashley and I, a few nights a week, we like to watch something together, some entertainment or whatever, usually something on Netflix. And then a few other nights a week, you know, we're reading or studying or something like that, you know, being real spiritual, you know, or, or trying to grow personally. But every time for me, I'm like, okay, <clears throat> Between 8.30 and 9. Now listen, for those of you that like have this set bedtime for your kids, God bless you. I mean, you're like, oh, if my kid doesn't go to bed at X amount of time, they're going to be crazy in the morning. Yeah, I get that. Kids are kids. They can adapt. Don't let your kid's bedtime dictate your life. But there are these moments where I'm like, okay, tonight I get to hang out with Ashley for a couple hours before we go to bed. And so when my kids interrupt that... It becomes selfish anger. I get impatient with my kids at night. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the counterfeit of patience. It's selfish anger. Do my kids need to obey? Yes. But the little kid that gets up for the third time to go to the bathroom, what, what, what's the truth there? It is not obedience. I'm, I'm not being righteous and trying to get them to be obedient. The true character that comes out of my heart is selfish anger. They have impeded upon my time. They have, they have inconvenienced me. I want you to really do some self-reflection. What is it that you say that, that you could identify Excuse me, as selfish anger? Is it your spouse that's not falling through with something that you think they should have done? Is it your employer? <clears throat> have they not held their end of the bargain and so you're going to go and, 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 and do something different? The scary thing about selfish anger is it causes us to lash out. Anger comes out in a few different ways. It comes out with physical force. Right, most of you typically aren't going and like punching your boss in the face, right? I, I, most of you aren't putting your hands on people. But what about your heart? Is your heart lashing out? What about the tongue? When you're impatient, do you gripe? Do you complain? Do you tear down? Do you say, oh, that no good so-and-so, or I can't believe they won't listen to me, or I can't believe they won't take my advice, and you become a, a griper and a complainer? Or is it in your heart where you and I would say this, Jesus, your schedule sucks. 
I mean, Jesus, I am so tired of waiting. See, this is where it turns into self-pity and we begin to lash out against God and others. And the scary thing is then that will lead to our will. This is when you decide because you are impatient and selfish anger is birthed, which is the opposite of patience. It's what the fruit of the flesh would be, right? And as it is birthed out, you say, you know what? I'll just handle this. I'll cheat. I'll settle. Or you know what? I'll run from God. And what you're doing is you're chasing some other false utopia because you're not willing to wait on God. You know, you'll say this, I know it's wrong, but I'm just done waiting on God. I, I, I know <laughs> that that <clears throat> Jesus said he's always going to be with me, but, but right now I feel abandoned. So I'm going to go and find fulfillment somewhere else. See, Christ-like patience <laughs> is long-suffering. And the counterfeit fruit of that is a selfish anger. And anger lashes out. I'm going to remind you again, it lashes out with physical force. It lashes out with your mouth whenever you gripe and you complain. It lashes out against God with your heart when you begin to express ungratefulness. And finally, it lashes out in your will when you choose no longer to wait on God's best. You will settle for the rest. You decide that God's way is not the way that you can wait on any longer. And that produces a counterfeit fruit that we clothe in righteousness. And it is a false righteousness. We clothe it in this idea of I've waited long enough. I can't wait anymore for the latter rain. So that's patience. That's counterfeit patience. How do you and I live in patience? I'm going to give you three things that I think you have to do. If you like to write things down, I think it's important to do so. John Newton, the great hymn writer, once penned this. Everything is necessary that he sins, and nothing can be necessary that God withholds. I'll read that again. Everything is necessary that he, being God, sins, and nothing can be necessary that God withholds. Our view of God will determine our patience with God and with every other relationship we have. Every other relationship that you have will be solely dependent upon your willingness to long-suffer and be patient with God and His plan. I love the verse in Ephesians chapter 4. It says this, Be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give an opportunity to the devil. I I want to clarify that anger in itself is not the sin. Because there's, there, we can look at Jesus for a couple of examples of where Jesus was angry and did not sin. Let me give you a couple. Number one, I, um, I, there's a story where, where someone needs to be healed and it's the Sabbath. 
and in, in, in the, the religious leaders of that time said that you shouldn't even heal people on the Sabbath. I mean, really, I'm serious. That, that, that was actually a belief in the time. I know you're, we think that's funny, but it's true. And Jesus, in his anger at the religious establishment, that were more concerned about following rituals than this broken person that need to be healed, Jesus healed in his anger. There's another example. Jesus shows up at the temple and there's some money exchanging happening. Basically, people came for a few different feasts from all over the, the, the world to, to celebrate these feasts in Jerusalem. And when they did, there was this an exchange rate where people were falsely, they were profiting off of people's inconvenience. And, and the Bible said that Jesus, in his anger, he went away and he made a whip. I think it's a beautiful example. Man, sometimes in your anger, what you need to do is you just need to go away and meditate or make yourself a whip. But in Jesus' righteous anger, he returns to the temple. He flips over the tables of the money drivers, and he sends everybody out of the temple. And he says that the house of the Lord, his father's house, is going to be a house of prayer and not a den of thieves. See, Jesus was angry, but he never sinned. Jesus never sinned, and yet we see examples of where Jesus was angry. So I'm not saying that all angry is sin, or every time that you are angered by an injustice that it's sin. I need you to ask the question, am I angry because it is a person, because of me personally? Is it an inconvenience for me? Is it a selfish anger that I am being, uh, that's being brought against me? So how do we live in patience? The first thing we have to do is we have to learn to wait on God. James 5.11 says, um, Behold, we consider those who remain steadfast. We consider those blessed who have remained steadfast. Blessed are those who wait and endure. Blessedness, or this word shalom that means It it only comes from an intimate relationship with God, but it is a peace that cannot be explained. See, God chases after someone who has a patient heart, and the lack of patience cuts us off from God. This is what we're basically saying when we choose not to wait on God. God, I know you're the creator of the universe. Jesus, I know you died on the cross so that uh, I could be saved and I could be clothed in your righteousness, but... I want you to do my will. You basically say, God, I want you to serve me in this area. And it's paganism. It's basically you trying to manipulate God. Impatience is a form of idolatry. You attempt to make God to serve you on your timetable in your opinion. See, that's that counterfeit fruit of selfish anger. I can think of an example in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 13. And there's a king named Saul. And Saul is waiting for this prophet, his name was Samuel, to show up to do the sacrifice. Saul gets tired of waiting for Samuel. So he does this good thing, this good thing which is offering a sacrifice to God. But see, a king in that time was not allowed to offer the sacrifice. It had to be done by the prophet. It had to be done by Samuel. And Samuel shows up to Saul and says, what have you done? 
And, and Saul's like, well, you know, we're supposed to make this sacrifice. That's what, that's what the Bible tells us to do. We're supposed to make this, we're supposed to do this thing for God. And Samuel said, yeah, but you didn't do it God's way. And he, then he tells Saul, he says, hey, your kingdom is going to be torn from your hand. Man, Saul is angry. He's got his son named Jonathan who he's grooming to be the next king. And he's like, what do you mean it's going to be torn from my hand? And he grabs Samuel's cloak and he tears it. And Samuel looks at Saul and says, just like you've torn my garment, so today God has torn your kingdom from your hand. When we, even, this was a good thing, right? I mean, it was a, he was making a sacrifice, but he wasn't waiting on God. So sometimes in your life, a good thing is turned into an idol because you're refusing to wait on God. You're like, God, I'll trust you with my finances and my resources when you come through. And as soon as you come through, then I'll do it. And we make these things idols. We make relationships idols. Timothy Keller says to look at it this way. He called it cosmic treason. I mean, this is when you choose to overthrow God on your life. You basically say, God, I know that you're the king of the universe. I'm not going to wait on you anymore. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and take matters in my own hands. And I'm going to do this thing. Now, I'm not trying to overthrow you, God, totally. I'm not trying to, like, become God. I'm just going to become God of my life. I'm going to become God of today. I'm done being patient. I'm done long-suffering. That's... Selfish anger. It is cosmic treason when you and I choose to not wait on God. You know, funny thing is, do you know any time you are waiting, you are waiting on God? You know, in studying this and reading some books and listening to sermons and studying commentaries, one of the things I stumbled across was somebody with my personality should just wait in line. I'm not joking. This happened this weekend. I go to Walmart to pick up a few things and I was going to the checkout and and I couldn't go to the self-checkout because I was getting a gift card for somebody and so I have to wait in this line and I'm waiting in the line and somehow, of course, I get the slowest checker who has ever checked anybody out in all of checking out of people. (laughs) That's how I felt in the moment and I'm waiting and I'm like, okay, Then there's a line that opens up, right? The lady says, hey, you can come over here. Well, the person behind me just went right around me. They didn't even offer me to go into that line, although I was in front of them. And I remember thinking, how dare you, right? And then I was reminded, I wouldn't even been able to go to that line anyway because I have to stand in this line because I'm working on patience. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, how much longer can I wait in this line? And that's a line, people. I, I, mean, I mean, but that, that was really my reaction to this was, I, I'm, I'm done waiting. I'm done waiting. When I was waiting on that checker, right? I have to remind myself that anytime God has me waiting, it is He who has me waiting. Anytime I feel <clears throat> my impatience or my selfishness try to get out of me. I have to suppress that through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And say, no, I'm going to be patient in this circumstance. 
The first thing you have to do is wait on God. The second thing you have to do is remember God's patience and His providence with you. You have to believe that God is infinite in wisdom and power and compassion. This goes back to our view of God. In order for you to believe, in order for you to give a belief in patience with God, in order for you to give patience to other people, you have to understand God's patience with you. I remember a while back I was asking Ashley about one of our kids that was just really struggling with this same repetition of of, of, of of sin in their life, if you will. And I remember telling Ashley, I, mean, I just wonder when they're going to get it. And she looks at me and she's like, so when are they going to stop sinning? And, and I, that was really the heart, right? But and, and they were sinning against me, of course, you know. That's how it was selfishness. And she just says, well, when are you and I going to stop sinning? And, and that totally changes, right? I can be gracious because I realize that God has been gracious to me. I can be patient because I realize that God has seen me and he's probably like, man, what are you doing? Why do you continue to make those choices? Why do you continue to um, to suppress that fruit that I'm trying to fill through you, through the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, God, I'm just so tired of waiting. I'm so tired. Patience towards other people. Remember God's patience with you. See Jesus being patient with you. Treat people graciously. Think about how gracious Jesus has been to you. And then just remember the majesty and the providence of God. Remember that God himself is waiting on you to grow and be more patient. And then the last thing is to protect yourself from sinful anger. How do you live in patience? You wait on God, you remember God's patience and His providence with you, and you protect yourself from sinful anger. Anger will not only tear you apart outwardly, but it also tears you apart inwardly. Just because you don't show anger doesn't necessarily mean that you are a patient person. It's more like indifference. It's more like, oh, I'm just not going to let that affect me, or I'm just going to blow that off. And that is indifference. That's not patience. Remember Ephesians 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. The next time you are getting angry, you need to ask yourself, What am I defending? What selfishness is this in me that I am trying to defend? When you're looking at anger, you have to really admit when you're being angry. Guys, in order to grow in the fruit of patience, you are going to have to do some self-reflection. You need to identify that anger. You need to understand the anger. You need to ask, why am I being angry? Why am I mad at my kids? Is it because they're truly being disobedient or am I truly injustice? Uh, how do I word am, am I truly being uh, uh, inconvenienced by their lack of justice, right? Is it an injustice that my kid is brushing their teeth for the third time? You really need to reflect and understand your anger. Are you defending your pride? Are you defending your anger? And then like Jesus, if there's true anger, channel it in. Channel your in anger in not attacking a person, not getting mad at my kids, but actually and seeing where they could get better. Identify an area of an improvement instead of destroying what they're, who they're trying to become. And then you have to walk in forgiveness. You have to walk with a forgiving heart. So Christ-like patience is long-suffering. It's the person that no matter how 
um, hot of water they're placed in, no matter what circumstance or trial that they are enduring, that they are patient with God. The counterfeit of patience, the opposite of patience is a selfish anger. And the only way for us to live in patience is to wait faithfully on God, is to remember God being patient and gracious to me and remembering his providence that he is infinite in all wisdom, in all power, in all compassion, and then to protect yourself from sinful anger. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.